You're listening to the sermon series on the letter to the Philippians at Sojourn Church Midtown. In this letter, the Apostle Paul calls believers to live on the earth now as citizens of heaven. This means that Christians should find their identity not in this world, but in the world to come centered on Jesus Christ. Psalm 146 starts with praise the Lord. Psalm 146 ends with praise the Lord. Psalm 147 starts with praise the Lord. Psalm 147 ends with praise the Lord. Psalm 148 begins with praise the Lord. Psalm 148 ends with praise the Lord. Psalm 149 begins with praise the Lord. Psalm 149 ends with praise the Lord. Psalm 150 starts with praise the Lord. Praise him in his mighty heavens. Praise him for his mighty deeds. Praise him according to his excellent greatness. Praise him with trumpet sound. Praise him with lute and harp. Praise him with tambourine and dance. Praise him with strings and pipes. Praise him with sounding cymbals. Praise him with loud clashing cymbals. Psalm 150 ends with praise ye the Lord. Psalm 100 says, make a joyful noise unto the Lord, all ye lands. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come before his presence with singing. Come on, somebody and give God some praise. You can do better than that. Come on, let's give God some praise. Come on, it's not for me, it's for him. The one who's kept you, the one who's woke you up this morning, the one who's protected you, the one who's clothed you in your right mind. Come on, you can praise him. Hebrews 13 talks about giving him a a sacrifice of praise. Father, we worship you. We adore you. We exalt you. We extol you. We will not allow the rocks to outcry us this morning. For you are good, you are beautiful, you are just, you are merciful, you are love, you are compassionate, you are the King of kings and the Lord of lords. You sent Jesus into this world so that we might have life and have it more abundantly. You have allowed us to gather here one more time. And even though our mask may uh, overlay our faces, we still have ruha. We still have breath. So we give our breath back to you. We praise you. We adore you. We extol you. We magnify you for you are good. Your mercy is everlasting and your truth endures for all generations. Spirit, I beg you to have your way. Allow me to decrease And allow Jesus to increase, not by might nor by power, but by your spirit. In Jesus' name we do pray. Amen. Amen. I was glad when they said unto me, oh, let us come into the house of the Lord. Each of us have have been there, haven't we? We've been in that place where... Perhaps we were moving or perhaps we needed a a good friend to come through and we uh, asked that friend or we told that friend about our need 
And for some of us, we've been hurt perhaps by a friend or a parent or a church member, someone that we were depending on, someone that we needed to come through who just didn't show up. We know that pain. Proverbs chapter 14 gives us a powerful verse about the pain of of one who is unreliable. Proverbs 25, 19 says, putting confidence in a unreliable person in times of trouble is like chewing with a broken tooth or walking on a lame foot. We've all have put our trust in a person who for that moment may have been unreliable and we know that pain. And perhaps some of us have been that person at some point in our history. Or someone was relying on us. Someone needed us. And for whatever reason, we just couldn't come through. Some of us, we live with that guilt and we, we live with that shame. But on the other side of things, we each have probably experienced the opposite. We've probably experienced someone who was faithful to us in our time of need. Someone who came through, who showed up, who affirmed our dignity by looking us in the eye and and not trying to fix us, but coming alongside of us in our suffering, in our need and by serving us. And this is what the Apostle Paul is experiencing as he writes to the church at Philippi. Philippi is in Eastern Europe, the Macedonian area. It was a a little colony of Rome that was filled with with patriots of the Roman Empire. A lot of retired soldiers lived there and benefited from this community. And the Apostle Paul, as we know, is in prison, jailed, not sure if he is going to be released some 600 miles away in Rome, chained to a Roman soldier's who would take shifts throughout the day to see him. And yet Paul writes this upbeat, joy-filled letter. And part of the reason why he was able to write a letter in the midst of his suffering to a church that he helped start back in Acts chapter 16 is because he had some dependable disciples, some people that he poured his life to, who in return became strong in the faith and who poured their life back into him. And today he's going to give us two examples of gritty disciple makers exemplified. And today we're going to learn that gritty disciple makers are those who live out the Jesus story and who become a conduit of joy, of his joy. Gritty, disciple makers, which points us back to our vision. This word gritty or to have grit is to have both passion and perseverance. It's to be a disciple, a lifelong learner of Jesus who is committed not to just being a learner of Jesus, but to being used by Jesus to make more learners of Jesus, to be conduits of his joy to other people. And Paul has found two people. One person is named Timothy. The other is named Epaphroditus. Now, Timothy, or as I would refer to him in today's text, Big T. And Aphroditus, as I would refer in today's text, little E. That's not biblical language. That's just me and my imagination. All right. Big T and and little E were dependable. They, They were these gritty disciple makers who live out the Jesus story. 
The way the book of Philippians is written is the crescendo, the main point that Paul is trying to get the church of Philippi to see is that they have been called to live worthy of the gospel, Philippians 1.27. And, and living worthy of the gospel means that they have to cultivate the mind of Christ. Chapter one shows how the mind of Christ is a single mind, a mind like Paul that concludes that to live is Christ. Christ is life. And even if we die, it's a gain because we get to be with Christ. In chapter two, Paul shows us that a, a, uh, to, to live with the mind of Christ is not just to be single-minded, but it's to be submissive-minded. And he tells us what it means to be submissive-minded. He says, do not do anything from uh, selfish ambition, but count other people as more important than yourself. And then he gives us the model that we must set our eyes to, the picture that we must keep before us, which is the model of Christ. And he talked about how Christ exemplified this mindset that though even though he is fully God, he did not count equality with God as something to be held onto, but he became a human and he served us to the point of death. Yea, yes, death on a cross. And now Paul is going to give us two case studies of what it looks like as a church to, to be gritty disciple makers, to live our lives as conduits of God's joy. And so he gives us big T and little E. Now, big T, Timothy, we see um, throughout the scriptures is someone who was raised and reared in the fear of God. He was a faithful Jewish man. We read in 2 Timothy uh, chapter 1 that his mother and grandmother, Eunice and Lois, were God-fearing uh, Hebrew women. And they raised him in the fear and adoration of the Lord. Timothy grew up going to the synagogue. Timothy grew up practicing the Sabbath. Timothy grew up memorizing the Torah. He knew the, the Shema. His mother and his grandmother, who were both uh, Hebrews, even though he had a, a, a Greek father, they, they poured their lives into him until one day, during Paul's first missionary journey, Timothy heard the gospel of Jesus Christ and he saw Jesus as the long-awaited Messiah that he had longed for. He was probably in his late teens or early 20s when he met the apostle Paul. But now Paul is in his time of need and we read in Philippians chapter 1 that Timothy is beside Paul writing this letter and that's where we pick up in verse 19. In verse 19 through verse 24, we're going to see uh, that Timothy is a man of both character and compassion. And gritty disciple makers are those who are keeping their eyes on Jesus, the, con the content of the gospel, keeping their eyes on the story of Jesus in such a way that Jesus is forming himself through them and they live as his conduits, bringing joy to others like Timothy. Verse 19, now I hope in the Lord Jesus to send you Timothy to you soon so that I too may be encouraged by news about you. For I have no one else like-minded who genuinely cares about your interests. What a compliment that the apostle Paul pays here to Timothy. 
He says, listen, Timothy's with me. I want to send him to you from Rome all the way to Philippi. And the reason I want to send him is because he's like-minded with me. This word like-minded means one-souled. He has the, the same mind. We would say kindred spirits. And not only does he have the same mind, but he says he genuinely cares about your own interests. Meaning Paul has known Timothy for over a decade, poured his life into him. And he says, more so than anyone else, Timothy seeks your, imp- your interests, Church of Philippi. And you know this because he lived amongst you. He pastored you for a short time. Out of everyone that I can send to you, Timothy is the one that I trust the most. This is some compliment. Paul has spent time with uh, Barnabas, the great encourager. He's spent time with John Mark. He loves and has spent time with Titus. He loves Ephroditus, as we will see here. But there's something about Timothy. He says, Timothy is not about me ministry. Timothy is about gospel ministry. The Lord has formed him to be like me, where it's not about anything else other than Jesus. It's not about my platform. It's not about my wealth. It's not about my own personal legacy. It's about you knowing this Jesus who came from heaven and who walked the dusty streets of Jerusalem, who redeemed you by grace through faith. Timothy is going to take good care of you. Verse 22, but you know his proven character. You know, a lot of times when we think about the Apostle Paul, we perhaps think about this preacher who just went around preaching and as a missionary city by city. And that's all he did was preach. But Paul, we see in this passage, is is so human. He is a a holy man, but he's a, a regular man. In this passage, we see that he has hopes. We see that he carries anxiety and concern for the church of Philippi. And, and when he went To minister, he had people with him that encouraged him. And Timothy was one of those. And through time, Paul said he has proven character. As I was a tent maker, Paul says, making tents, making leather products, making wood products, working with my hand, going from city to city, being co-vocational or bivocational. Timothy was right there with me and his character was proven. Because he has served with me in gospel ministry like a son and like a father. Therefore, I hope to send him as soon as I see how things go with me. I am confident in the Lord that I myself will also come soon. Paul exhorts Timothy as his own son and hopes to see this church that he helped start, that he planted that he was put in prison for as he preached the gospel in Philippi, teaching that Caesar is not Lord, but Jesus is Lord and the Messiah has come. And he suffered at the hands of not only Greeks, but he also suffered at the hands of his Jewish brethren. He says, listen, Timothy will continue this Jesus ministry for me. Then in verse 25, we get to Epaphroditus. It says, but I consider it necessary to send you Epaphroditus, my brother. Look at this, co-worker and fellow soldier, as well as your messenger and minister in my need. Now, we don't know a whole lot about little E, right? Uh, We don't know as much as we know about Timothy. But what a compliment that Paul gives him. 
He is my brother. We're siblings in Christ. He's been justified by Jesus through his blood. He is a co-laborer, a co-worker. Timothy has put in gospel work on the field. He is a fellow soldier, no limit. He has proven himself. He has fought the good fight of faith. He is a messenger faithful with the gospel. And not only that, he says he is a minister to my need. So we're going to learn this in uh, Philippians chapter 4. But little E came from Philippi, made that long journey to Philippi in order to deliver a care package to Paul. And we read in the scriptures that while Paul was in jail in Rome with this state in Rome, that he was really hard to find. And mostly everyone gave up on him as they could not find where he was on house arrest. But little E didn't stop searching. He didn't stop looking. A a pastor who's coming from a far away place from Philippi risked his own life and he finds the apostle Paul. And we continue to read verse 26. Since he has been longing for all of you and was distressed because you heard that he was sick. Look at his character and his compassion. Risked his life for Paul. And he becomes sick to the point of death. But notice what it says. He was distressed because you heard that he was sick. He wasn't distressed simply because he became ill to the point of death. He was distressed because they heard about it. What a heart. What is Paul doing? Paul is applying this Christ hymn, this Messiah story that we see in Philippians chapter 2. He is showing how to for everyone should look out not only for his own interests, but also for the interests of others. He is showing how when people set their gaze upon Jesus Christ, the spirit forms them to be these other centered people. These people who are willing to risk their lives, these people who, if they can track COVID, aren't just distressed that their life may be in danger and that they may be hospitalized, but they're more distressed because of the spirit working in them that it may cause pain to other people and worry. And this isn't something that we can produce in ourselves. This only happens when we make Jesus the center of our lives, just like Paul made what Jesus did for him and for the church of Philippi, the center of this book. What character. In a me-centered world, what compassion. Verse 27, indeed, he was so sick that he nearly died. However, God had mercy on him and not only in him, but also on me so that I would not have sorrow upon sorrow. Hear these words by the Apostle Paul. He is a human being whom the Holy Spirit is writing this letter through. He knows what it's like to have sorrow. He knows what it's like to have pain. He said, if, if little E, Pastor E, who I poured my life into had died, not only would I have had this sorrow for being in prison, but I also would have had sorrow upon sorrow because I would have lost a friend. What a picture of ministry. What a picture of the church. We pour our lives out into others. But the same people that we pour our lives into As they grow in Christ, they reciprocate it and they pour their lives back into us. However, God had mercy on him. 
Verse 27, and not only on him, but also on me so that I would not have sorrow upon sorrow. For this reason, I'm very eager to send him so that you may rejoice again when you see him and I may be less anxious. Verse 29, therefore, welcome him. In the Lord with great joy, Paul is encouraging them to the spiritual discipline of hospitality. Make sure you don't overlook this, Paul says. Make sure you honor his sacrifice, which was like the sacrifice of Jesus and hold people like him in honor. The people who sacrifice and who are risking their life for the gospel, for the church, who are going above and beyond, the Apostle Paul says, who has went through trials and tribulations. Make sure you hold them with honor because he came close to death for the work of Christ, risking his life to make up what was lacking in your ministry to me. To go back to our main point. This passage encourages us to live out of the Jesus story and to become conduits of his joy. And really quickly, I want to give you three applications, three things that we must embrace if we're going to be like Big T and Little E. Three attitudes that we must embrace as we look to Jesus' example and make that our example, the first is this, we must embrace spiritual leadership as learners. Timothy and uh, Epaphroditus did not get here overnight. The apostle Paul didn't get to this place of contentment and being able to be in prison and write a letter filled with rejoicing and joy overnight. We are saved from the wrath of God and our sins. And then we enter into a a discipleship relationship with Jesus and with people who are uh, who spiritually have been walking with Jesus and bearing fruit. And Jesus begins to reorient our life from living life for our own advantage to living our life for his advantage through the power of the spirit. And as we do that, God forms this character in us, this fruit of the spirit, this love, this peace, this joy. And then like Paul in Philippians chapter four, we can say, I have learned to be content. Even in COVID, God is shaping you and forming you. Even in your loneliness and your brokenness and your fear and your anxiety, God is, is, is forming you as, as learners. But this happens as we embrace spiritual leadership. Jesus is our chief shepherd, but he has also given us under shepherds to shepherd us. He has given us pastors, Ephesians 4, teachers, evangelists and, and prophets. If we try to go through life as our own authority and and spiritual example, we're always going to fall short. And some of our spiritual growth has been stunted because we have not sought out other believers who are farther along in their walk with Jesus and and opened up our lives with vulnerability and say, this is who I am. This is where I am. I see that God has developed you in this area. Can you help me by spending time with me and preaching the gospel to me to grow? Man, I'm so glad for spiritual leaders. And this is, 
Not, not me trying to uh, uh, throw shade at anyone because I see this in, in younger uh, Christians as well as people who are older Christians who have never submitted to spiritual authority. I am so thankful. I would not be here today if there wasn't some, some Pauls and some Priscillas in my life. If it wasn't for my parents, if it wasn't for when I went to college, uh, Pastor Stan Parker in Lansing, Michigan, who saw this kid in a grocery store high and who came up to him and said, God has a calling on your life. Meet me at this place because Bible study is happening tonight. And who threw his life into my life, who invited me over to have dinner, who, who corrected me and walked with me every step of the way, breathing life into me. I remember going on a mission trip with him once I had started walking with Jesus for some time. Had been walking with Jesus for about three years, came on staff for the church. Well, longer than that, I got saved when I was younger, but faithfully walking with him. And he gave me the assignment while we were in Haiti to do the first day of preaching to a, at a minister's college. At a minister's college. And in my arrogance, I prepared a lesson, didn't run it by him, thinking that, hey, I've been doing this for some time. This is what I'm going to teach. And I remember telling him what I was going to do just before I did. He said, man, you just gave them five points. Um, I sense that you should just give them one point. And I went out there in information overload. And then he didn't scold me. He didn't beat me up. He demonstrated what faithful ministry looked like the next day when he was leading. He said, rather than me give you content, we're just going to do a Q&A. How are you and what do you need? And these men were crying and talking about what they needed and, and the resources that they were lacking and how they felt overwhelmed and the spirit came in there. Who's your spiritual leader? Who, who's the person or the people? Because normally it's not just one person. You need multiple people from different lives speaking. Who's the person that you said, this is my spiritual authority for this season because I want to grow? Second point. Embrace collaboration over consumerism as servants. Here in this passage, we see that, that Timothy and a, 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 a little E, they both are, are gifted men. They both have pastored. Timothy was left behind in Philippi before. He was also left behind in Ephesus and in, in Corinth. Epaphroditus was the pastor of Philippians for some time. And yet they embrace obscurity. Though they were leaders and had strong leadership, they did whatever was necessary for the mission of God. They set aside their calling for a period of time to come and serve the man of God who had poured his life into them. They were co-workers and collaborators. And if we spend our Christian life being consumers, those who only come to church to take and to become professional sermon critics, but who are never growing to the place where we are willing to risk our lives for Jesus as he has risked our lives for us. We have probably taken our eyes off of the Christ hymn, off of what Jesus did for us, off of the one who, though he was God, did not count equality with God as a thing to be grasped, but allowed himself to be clothed in human form, to, to go through the, the process of, of being birthed through, through Mary's uterus, who was being held by Mary, yet was holding all things together in his hands. If, if we are not becoming servant leaders and collaborators, it is because our life is not truly about Jesus, it's about us. Oh, that God would raise up a church 
like Psalm 115, verse one, not to us, not to us, but to your name give glory for the sake of your steadfast love that he would raise up a people who don't want to cruise into heaven, but who want to crash into heaven knowing that Jesus did not cruise throughout eternity, but he crashed to earth to give us life going all the way to the cross, at the cross, at the cross where I first saw my light. And the burden of my sins rolled away. It was there by faith that I received my sight. And now I am happy all day. Joy, Jesus, others, then yourself. Joy comes when we are conduit of what Jesus has given to us. Discipleship is one person sharing their God-given resources with another person for the sake of the kingdom. Third. We want to embrace a future vision of disciple making as spiritual parents. Embrace a future vision of disciple makers as spiritual parents. Every Christian is called to give their life away, not just to be a disciple, but to make disciples. Jesus said, follow me, me, and I will make you. As you look to this Christ hymn, this Messiah poem, as you look to my life, I will shape you. I will make you to be fisher of men. Go ye therefore, teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And lo, I will be with you always, even to the end of the age. You want joy. You want happiness that goes past your circumstances, past your current situation, commit to a life of becoming eventually a spiritual parent. Say, Lord, I want to be used by you to give birth to some spiritual kids. I want to be used by you to come alongside some folk who don't know you and to help train them up in you. I don't have a lot, Lord. I'm not the most gifted. I don't know Greek or or Hebrew. But what I do know is that you changed my life. You picked me up and turned me around. You placed my feet on solid ground. I know that I was dead and now I am alive because of you. Because of you. Because of you. One of the ways to do that is to Commit yourself to the life of the church. Everyone here, we want you to consider, maybe this isn't the season for you right now, but there should be a season where you are doing life deeply with other Christians through community groups. Community groups is our best way to live our lives together. We also have discipleship groups, which we rolled out a year ago, which work in conjunction and complement community groups. They're groups of men and women, three to five people um, walking through the basics of Christianity for 18 months, applying the scriptures to your life. And this week, we're going to send out an email with an update on how we're doing with discipleship groups. But we want to see 20 more groups started this fall. We've had 130 people go through it already, about 30 groups and we want you to consider what it looks like for you every other week to spend time in intentional discipleship relationships so that you, like Big T and Little E, can be conduits of joy, not just those who are taking, but those who are giving back. Epaphroditus, Epaphroditus' name is actually a pagan name. It's a name that pointed 
to a Greek goddess. A Greek goddess, his name literally means belonging to Aphrodite. But Jesus changed this Gentile man's life whose family was all into pagan worship and allowed him to be rebirthed where now his life belonged to him. And if you're here today and you don't have a relationship with Jesus, I want to encourage you and let you know that Jesus not only is the best thing that ever happened to me, but is the best thing that has ever happened to most people here today. And that if you belong, your identity, the way you live to anything other, anyone other than Jesus, to yourself, to your job, to your career, to sex, to money, to power, to comfort, Instead of belonging to Jesus, you are living a dead end life. And one day you are going to meet him face to face and realize that you missed an opportunity to true joy and true abundant life. And we want to encourage you to turn from a life committed to your own advantage to a life committed to Jesus by placing your faith in Jesus, saying, Jesus, I don't know everything. I am broken. I am sinful. But I believe the story that you, God, became a man while remaining God to die the death that I deserve on Golgotha's hill. You were buried and you were raised on the third day with all power and you are coming back to make all things right. Hi, I'm Jamal Williams, lead pastor of Sojourn Midtown. Thanks for listening. At Midtown, we value gospel-centeredness, biblical faithfulness, transformative relationships, diverse fellowship, creativity in the arts, and relentless mission. For more sermons, info about our church, visit sojournchurch.com slash midtown.